welcome to this week's edition of America's Lost History, episode 1.6, New York. I'm your host, Ron Wismer, and uh, we're going to be discussing the delegates from New York. I almost titled this episode, The Richest Guys in America, because uh, all of our delegates are going to be very wealthy, well-off men who had a lot to lose, and some of them will lose a lot through the war. So let's get right into it. Our first candidate is William Floyd, born December the 17th, 1739, died August the 4th, 1821, age at signing, 41. William Floyd was born in Brookhaven, Long Island, New York. He was the son of Nicole Floyd, a rich local farmer. William's parents would die when he was still in his teens, leaving William to head the family and run the 4,000-acre estate. So, unfortunately, William had no time for formal schooling. In his 20s, William married Hannah Jones and continued to care for his eight siblings and eventually his own children. The Floyd family owned slaves to help run their estate. In 1760, Floyd joined the Suffolk County Militia and would eventually reach the rank of Major General. In 1774, Floyd was chosen to sit in the Continental Congress. He signed the Articles Association. This is the second time we've mentioned the Articles of Association, so we shall explain them here. In response to the Intolerable Acts of Parliament, that's the Stamp Act and other acts that Parliament passed to tax the colonists, the colonists proposed a continent-wide boycott on British goods. The important thing to note here is that British trade relied heavily on their colonial ambitions. The mother country would import raw material on the cheap from the Americas and sell back finished goods to the colonial subjects at a high markup. The colonists were forbidden from importing these finished goods from anywhere but Great Britain, causing a huge trade imbalance. After the Articles of Association, American manufacturing ramped up to supply goods to the colonial people. So the boycott had a very real effect on Parliament's decisions and how they treated America. This boycott would lead to Parliament passing the New England Restraining Act, one of the first steps to the all-out war in, on the continent. When retur- returning from the First Continental Congress, Floyd led the militia to defend the land against the British at Gardner's Bay. This minor action gave him enough celebrity status to be chosen to represent New York at the Second Continental Congress. Floyd and the other New York delegates famously abstained from the vote on independence. It would not receive word from the New York Assembly until the 9th of July to vote yes for independence. The Floyd family home was occupied the British by the British after the Battle of Long Island. His family was forced to flee to Connecticut, where sadly his wife Hannah would die in 1781. When the Floyds returned to their home after the war, they discovered the British had used their home to house cavalry, and parts of the home had been used in, as a stable for the horses. Floyd served in the first House of Representatives, but retired in 1791. In 1794, he deeded his family estate to his son and moved to Westernville, New York, which was basically the frontier of America's at that point. He had acquired large parcels of land there, and he would die on the frontier town and be buried there in 1821. Floyd's descendants would include Abraham Lincoln and the rocker David Crosby. Our next signer is Francis Lewis. Born March the 21st, 1713, died December the 31st, 1802. Age at signing, 63. 
Born in Wales to Morgan Lois and Anne Pettingale, he was orphaned as a young child and moved in with his aunt. He attended school in Scotland and at Westminster School in England. He was apprenticed to a clerk in London, but upon turning 21 took his inheritance to seek his fortune in New York. He moved to Whitesville, New York, and made a fortune with his business partner, Edward Ainsley. He married Edward's sister, Elizabeth, on June the 15th, 1745. They would have seven children, three of whom would survive past infancy. During the French and Indian War, Lewis was supplying the British Fort Oswego on Lake Ontario when it was captured by the French. Lewis was sent to Canada and then on to a French prison where he would spend the next seven years. Upon being released at the end of the war, Lewis was granted 5,000 acres in recognition of his service to the crown and he would come back to America. In 1765, he was elected to the Colonial Congress. He would return, retire from business and politics shortly after. However, in 1775, he was sent as a delegate to Philadelphia, then again in 1776. He would serve in Congress until 1778. During the Battle of Long Island, the Lewis family home was destroyed by British troops, and his wife Elizabeth, nearly 60 at the time, was thrown into a British prison. Denied the basic necessities of hygiene, Elizabeth's health would decline, and she would die two years later in 1779. Lewis's only daughter would then elope with a British naval officer and sail off to England. After the war, Lewis did not rebuild his home. He lived with his sons and would die in 1802, almost 90 years old. The next signer of the Declaration, Philip Livingston, has been described as the Prince of New York. Born January the 15th, 1716. Died June the 12th, 1778. Born the fourth son of Philip, second Lord of the Manor, and Catherine Van Brough, his family owned over 160,000 acres on the Hudson River. The Livingstons were one of the richest families in the colonies. The family automatically qualified for the seat on the royal re legislature and could act as judges on their own domains. Philip attended Yale and graduated in 1737. He married Christine Tenbrook, daughter of the mayor of Albany. They had nine children together. Philip ran a very successful mercantile business from his New York City home and from his 40-acre estate on the Brooklyn Heights. During King George's War, Livingston made a fortune off privateering and provisioning the British troops. Livingston took his family seat at the Royal Assembly in 1758. He was a moderate in response to the Stamp Act. However, in 1774, New York sent him to the Continental Congress. He remained opposed to independence and so stonewalled efforts that John Adams wrote of him, there is no holding any conversation with him. He blusters away, says of, says of England, should turn us adrift, we should in instantly go to civil wars among ourselves to determine which colony should govern all the rest. By 1776, Livingston's hardline opposition would soften. He would sign along with the other New York delegates, and during the Battle of Brooklyn Heights, Washington would hold a conference at the Livingston House. Livingston family would flee to Kingston, New York, where the colony had moved its capital during, for during the war. The British would use Livingston's home as a hospital and as a barracks, eventually burning the hospital building down. In 1778, though feeling unwell, Livingston felt he had to attend Congress, which was then in session in York, Pennsylvania. Soon after arriving in York, Livingston would die from heart failure at the age of 62. And our last delegate from New York is Lewis Morris. Born April 8, 1726, died 
January the 22nd, 1798. Age at signing, 50. Born at his family estate of Morrisania in what is now the South Bronx, Morris was the oldest son and the oldest of seven children born to Lewis Morris and Catherine Strotz. Lewis attended Yale and graduated in 1746. His grandfather was the royal governor of New Jersey, and his brother, governor, would sign the Constitution and is called the penman of the Constitution because he actually would write the preamble. After graduating from Yale, Lewis married Mary Beekman Walton of Beekman Tower, New York. In 1762, at the age of 32, he would inherit the family wealth and become the third lord of Morrisania Manor. As a hugely privileged and vastly rich colonist, Morris was not a committed patriot. In 1760, Lewis Morris was appointed as a judge of the Admiralty Court, and in 1769 he was elected to the Colonial Assembly. When the Crown wanted to tax New Yorkers to house troops in the colony, the Assembly voted against the measure. The Royal Governor appropriated the funds over the Assembly's vote, and Morris became an outspoken opponent of the Governor and of Parliament. In 1774, Morris was not sent to Philadelphia because voters felt he was too unlikely to seek compromise with Great Britain. However, by 1725, the attitude of New York had changed. He was sent to Congress to be a strong voice for independence. In 1776, Morris took leave from Congress to serve as a brigadier general in the Westchester Militia, where he would eventually rise to the rank of Major General. Upon his return to Congress in September, he would sign the Declaration. Upon the occupation of New York by the British, his estate at Morrisania was trashed by the garrison troops. Benjamin Rush said of Morris, He suffered the loss of many thousand pounds by the depredations of the British army upon his property in New York without repining. Every attachment of his heart yielded to the love of his country. After the war, Morris served in the New York State Senate from 1783 to 1790. He helped with the ratification of the Constitution and then he would go on to die on his rebuilt family estates in 1798. Okay, folks, that's our four signers from New York. Next week we'll be moving on to New Jersey. Uh, come join us on the Facebook group, America's Lost History. Leave some comments. We'll have a discussion. Um, I have posted the sources for this series on there. Uh, if any sources come up that are changed, I will add new ones there. Thank you very much, and have a good week.